Jesus is a missionary. He's exhausted. His diet is not great. He's not sleeping in a bed. He's fallen asleep in a boat. He's gone from one side of this large lake where God's people tended to live, and there were synagogues dedicated to the reading, studying, and obeying of the Old Testament scriptures. And he has sailed across this enormous lake into what would be called the pagan, Gentile, unbelieving part of the country. Now, this is where those who don't worship the God of the Bible live. And all of this is kind of typified by the mention of pigs. I was going to call this message Deviled Ham because it's the story of Jesus casting out a demon out of a man and into a whole bunch of pigs. But pigs were animals that were declared unclean by the ceremonial law in the Old Testament. That law has now been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So today we don't talk about certain things being clean or unclean. We don't sacrifice animals anymore because all of those ceremonial laws in the Old Testament, they pointed to or they anticipated Jesus who once and for all, when he came, fulfilled all the requirements of the law, fulfilled all of those ceremonies because the ceremonies looked towards the fulfillment and that fulfillment is Jesus Christ. In the Bible times, pigs were considered unclean and the fact that people of this region were making their living off of unclean animals indicates that there was no regard for God's law. God's people are, are not living there. There is not a synagogue there. There's not Old Testament scripture being read there. And Jesus is coming to town. Jesus is going into a very dark, very pagan, very different part of the country. Previously, Simeon had prophesied of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 that he would be a a light to the Gentiles, and here we see it. Jesus doesn't love just one nation or one tribe or group of people. Jesus loves all nations, tribes, and all peoples. And here he's going as a cross-cultural missionary to this Gentile world. The pre-incarnate Jesus is speaking through the prophet in the Old Testament Bible reading for this Sunday, Isaiah chapter 65. Hundreds of years earlier, Isaiah 65 talks about the, the incarnate life of Jesus. So you heard it read, it's verse 1. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, Here am I, here am I. All day long I have held out my hands to this obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations, a people who continually provoke me to my very face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on altars of bricks, who sit among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil, who eat the flesh of pigs 
and whose pots hold broth of unclean meat. Do you see how the Bible is such a remarkable book? 700 years earlier, these words about pigs were penned, and they are referring to this very story about pigs in the gospel lesson. Who say, keep away, don't come near me, for I am too sacred or too holy for you. Such people are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that keeps burning all day long. After Jesus cast out the demons and into the pigs, the people are afraid of Jesus. And they say, stay away from me, stay away from me. They ask him to leave. They want nothing to do with him. And then that prophecy, it's all bad news for these people, but it ends like this. And this is what the Lord says. As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes, and men say, don't destroy it, there's yet some good in it, so will I do in behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. I will bring, get this, forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, those who will possess my mountains, these mountains. My chosen people will inherit them, and there will my servants live. What an incredible prophecy, and this gospel lesson is the beginning of the fulfillment of it. When grace and salvation and faith, the proclamation of God's good news, comes to this area, to these people on the other side of this lake. Now, Jesus could have rained fire and brimstone on these people for their mixed-up priorities of pigs over people, but he didn't. He saved the craziest among them and then commissioned that one saved to be their missionary. Now we know that after the Romans sacked Jerusalem in 70 AD and the Jewish Christians were forced to flee, some fled to this region called the Decapolis, city of ten, ten cities. And guess what? When they dispersed there, they found faith. Forty years after this incident in our gospel lesson, they found faith. People had heard of Jesus. And so the prophecy, my chosen people will inherit these mountains and there will my servants live, became a reality as Christianity spread to this region, likely because of the testimony of the demon-possessed man. Fascinating. You see, when Jesus changes one individual's life, it has profound effect on the lives of others. This is incredibly good news for us. This guy is demon-possessed. You can't get much farther away from salvation than that. This man was legendary in, in that region. All the kids knew, don't go near the gravesite. Don't go to where the tombs are. This crazy, naked, demonized man running around. People had totally given up on this guy. There's no hope for him. They tried to shackle him. He broke the shackles. So they just let him run wild. And the goal was avoid him. And there's a pattern here in this wonderful gospel of Luke. And we can see it in this chapter 7 and chapter 8. And here's the pattern. No one is out of the reach of Jesus' love. No one. Not the centurion, chapter 7. Not the dead son of a widow from Nain. Not the sinful woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. And not 
the demon-possessed man. Not you or anyone you know. If there is hope for these, then there is hope for all. If there is hope for these, then there is hope for all. Now, the tombs were considered a cursed area. You wouldn't go there. This means he's likely living out of town. The city has absolutely given up on him, and that's where all the resources are, in the the city and the town. They don't know what to do with them, so they've tried to give advice to his mind and maybe tried to deal with his body, at least through shackles and restraints, and none of it worked or helped. Yet Jesus was able to save him. And some of you know people like this, They're not in their right mind. Everyone's done everything they can to help, and they're not okay. And you also know that people have given up on them. But here's what you need to remember. There is always hope in Jesus for anyone. So please don't conclude that everyone you know who is not in their right state of mind automatically has a demon or two. We just don't know. Here we know because we have the authoritative word of God telling us so. But today, we, we just don't know. We do know that people can open themselves up to the work of Satan. That we know. Through habitual sin, through constant unrepenting, sinning, through drug and alcohol abuse through hanging around with people who constantly lie and cheat and steal, break the law. We know people can lose control of their lives through some of the choices that they make and how they choose to see things. Yeah, if we don't guard our own thoughts, they can lead us down a very dark path to a very dark place where we feel trapped or captive and certainly not in control. Some of us have brushed with that kind of feeling for sure. We know people can dabble in false religions and false worldviews and false spirituality and preoccupation with evil and people can get lost in that world. That's why the Bible warns us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You can imagine, in our world, we generally do not believe in the spiritual realm. We just don't, so we just don't know how to diagnose, how to care for, how to treat those who have been captive by demons. I'm just going to say that if God is in the house, the body, and he is in control, It's going to be pretty hard to be possessed and controlled by a legion of demons. We can't just operate in a worldly way saying everything can be fixed through information and medication. Because sometimes, a lot of times, a lot of times the problems that we have, they are spiritual. Information does help. Medication can help. But spiritually... Everyone needs Jesus and the indwelling presence and power of God, the Holy Spirit. So they'll be controlled by the power of God, not the power of the enemy. Jesus himself prophesied about his ministry. 
in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Get this. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's this man's story. He's getting a new life. He's becoming free. And the message is, if God can save and use him, then he certainly can do the same for anyone. Now, do you believe that? Because God wants you to believe that. Jesus, he changes lives. He changes people. Luke 8, verse 34. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. This is what's leading the nightly news. And the people went out to see what had happened. There's a great buzz. The shops are shutting down. The schools are closing. Everybody's walking around trying to figure out what's happening and who this man Jesus is. When they came to Jesus... They found the man from whom the demons had gone out. And here's what he looks like now. Get this. Sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. This guy sitting there, shaved, clean, bathed, dressed, notebook, pen, taking notes. What happened to this guy? He met Jesus. Jesus changes people. That's just what he does. You see... No one, no one's beyond the grace of God. That's why we don't lose hope for anyone. Not in anyone. We don't lose hope for anyone. We don't have hope in people, but we have hope for everyone because the hope is not in them. The hope is in Jesus because he delivers And it doesn't matter where someone is. As long as they're alive, there's hope. Because Jesus could change them. He just does. And Jesus changes, sometimes in an instant, the most unbelievable people who are seemingly beyond any hope. If people meet Jesus, anything can happen. Now take a look at the reaction to this. And they were afraid. All the unbelievers were concerned. Never seen this. Verse 36, those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. They were scared of Jesus. Now some people hear that you're a Christian. And don't be surprised if that scares them. I mean, you might invite someone to church. Well, they're scared to go. That's their first reaction. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know where this is leading. I don't know what's going to happen. This is all new and unfamiliar. I'm scared. I'm freaked out. This is concerning. And the first response to something new is fear. They're not even scared of the demonized guy anymore. These people, they're scared of Jesus. But remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So they asked him, Jesus, could you please leave? You got a lot of power that we don't have. 
And you have a lot of authority that we don't enjoy. And we don't know who you are and we're scared. Could you please leave? Is there any hope for these people? Is there only going to be one convert? One believer in this whole town. And that's it. And you might think, Jesus, you're not a very good missionary. But the story continues. So he got into the boat. Verse 38. The man from the demons had gone out, begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. The guy comes to Jesus. Jesus, look, I want to go with you. You got a boat, 12 disciples. I nominate myself to be the 13th. I'll find a place in that crowded boat. I'm ready to roll. I don't want to stay here, Jesus. These people all know who I am. They, they know the worst of me. They know the horrible things that I've done. They know the ways I've gotten myself into trouble. They know what kind of man I am. So, Jesus, can I go with you? Can I just hang out with you? Can I just be with all the Christians, all the believers? Can I just have this never-ending Bible study with you and the guys? Can I go to another town maybe then? where nobody knows me and I can walk in my new, redeemed, cleaned-up condition. And we don't have to talk about my past anymore because it's really embarrassing and shameful. And Jesus says, No, you stay here and tell everybody who you were, who you are, and what I've done. Serious, Jesus? Yes, you see, Jesus just gave this, this man a powerful story to tell. And now he becomes a missionary. So here's the point. Here's what I want you to take away. We're in a war, and it's not against non-Christians. Oh, no. And it's not against the economy. It's not against climate change. Ephesians 6 says we're in a war. Not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits. We're at war against the great enemy, the enemy of God, and we are with God, and God has put us on his side. He has made that so. And there's a whole world out there affected by sin, death, and the power of the devil. And not just affected, but captive to it. So much so that we might even feel that our world or even our own lives sometimes are out of control. This man, it was obvious. But everyone else in the town and region was in the same condition, spiritually speaking, though they weren't demonstrating it overtly or externally. They didn't look as bad as him, but they were on the same path toward the same ultimate destiny of justice and hell. They were trapped in their life of sin and unbelief. And Jesus came to rescue them. I'll be honest with you, there's hurting people, there's needy people, there's suffering people everywhere. It seems that there are more wrecked people than ever. 
hurting and troubled world, it's real. Some know it. And sadly, some don't. But it's still hurting and troubled. So what does God do? He saves us. Through his son's death on the cross and his resurrection from the tomb, he saves us. And then God in his goodness has that life-giving message preached to us. And the reality of what Jesus did for us becomes our very own through faith in him. That's not the end of the story. Then God sends us to share the demon-defeating, faith-giving, life-changing message with others. And you get to tell yours, and you get to tell God's story of salvation. And you get to be honest with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. Here's who I was, captive to sin. Here's what's been done to me, saved by God's forgiving grace. I am free in Jesus. Here's who I am. I'm a new person because of Jesus, and he lives in me. And when you tell the truth, then, then that allows you to have credibility with other people. Tell them the truth. This is who you are, and this is who this is who you were, and this is who you are because of Jesus. And the more honest you are, the more believable you will be. Jesus invites us today, and he commissions us today, as he did this man. So don't just huddle up with believers and think that's your mission in life. There are still a lot of people that are held captive to sin in this world. Jesus said, go into the city and tell the story of what I've done for you. What a great invitation. We rejoice in Jesus' work in this man's life. We rejoice that he obeyed Jesus and stayed to preach. And as far as we know, this man was the first convert on that side of the lake. And many came after him because God's work in him. It can happen, people. My prayer is that we'll do the same. We'll share the love of Jesus with any and everyone. We'll do it in any and every way we can. That we won't be gripped with fear, but filled with Jesus. People are suffering. And people are dying without salvation, without hope. But God has equipped us with his word and spirit and hopefully a changed life. Now, after hearing this incredible Bible story, I want you to read, I want you to proclaim with me one of our favorite Bible verses from Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Can't help but think of this Bible story now when I read these words. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.